0: In the name of Jesus, born in a stable, to die on a cross, and sung to by the angels. Amen. Perhaps I should be preaching on another topic, seeing that you are still probably Logie From an epic Christmas meal, washed down with eggnog and who knows what else. But the history of our salvation doesn't wait on us. For on this very next day following Christmas, we're to remember the life and terrible death of of Stephen, a deacon, the first martyr of our faith. And the speed with which this history of our salvation progresses is clear from this Sunday's reading about Stephen. We can't completely be sure of the chronology here, but it may be as short a time as two years or at most five years between Jesus' crucifixion and the stoning of Stephen. And let's see what's changed. Stephen is a Greek speaking Jew who was converted to the way which is the name our faith had in its earliest days or Jesus though it was clear who were Jews and who were not Jews but already the lines between Jew and Greek were getting blurred at the center of activity for this new religion It has moved from the countryside, where Jesus had lived and had his ministry, to Jerusalem, from country to city. From now on, the new faith flourished in urban settings. And the images of the Christian life would be drawn from life in the city and not from the activities of sheep or the lilies of the field. It's temples and arenas Paul talks about. And finally, with Stephen, this fledgling Christian faith has developed governing structures and deals with social problems we're familiar with. We first hear of Stephen because the Greek-speaking Jews felt that the meals on wheels weren't being distributed as equitably to the Greek-speaking widows as they were to the needy from old-time Jerusalem Jewish families. This provoked hasty soul-searching on the part of the apostles. Should they be attending to the ministries of preaching and praying their gifts as they saw it, or continue to disperse their energies dealing with the intractable problems like food distribution to the indigent. The upshot was the first division within the organization of the new church. The apostles would remain occupied with their chosen tasks, and a new order of those who were servers or servants, deacons, to use the Greek word for them, would be assigned the pressing social service tasks of the Christian congregations. And notice, too, that the names of those young men, the first deacons, were all Greek names. So these young men must have been ethnically Greek. And this reminds us of the last and rapid change. The language of these new Christians had switched from Aramaic to Greek, and the Hebrew Bible was read more frequently in Greek than in Hebrew. Stephen didn't last long as a deacon. He seems to have been a firebrand from almost the beginning, with the gift of raising the hackles of people. For his advocacy of the Christian faith, Stephen was hauled up before the Sanhedrin, the ultimate religious authority in Judaism of the time. You might think of the Sanhedrin as the house of bishops of Judaism. They'd already had to deal with Peter for a speech he'd made, but he was let off with a whipping. Yet he was less vituperative. But Stephen was another case altogether. He did two things in his speech which were seriously risky. He lectured professional scholars, for that's what the Sanhedrin was made up of, on the history of their religion, as if they needed instruction from a neophyte. And Stephen pointed up in his speech all those places where the Israelites deliberately went against the will of God, either by not following God's commandments or by persecuting the prophets. It was a somewhat slanted version of the biblical history, to be sure, and the eminent rabbis and doctors were beside themselves with irritation. Stephen was grabbed and held and led out of the room where the Sanhedrin had been meeting dragged out of Jerusalem into an open space where where he was stoned to death. We must be careful here because this martyrdom has become part of the long story of Christian antisemitism. In the account of Stephen's stoning, it isn't clear who actually did it. Luke. Who wrote the Acts of the Apostles and was usually very careful about pronouns, isn't clear in his account, referring to those who dragged Stephen to his death as they, leaving vague just who they were. To say that the rabbis and the doctors of the law perpetrated this terrible act is highly unlikely, for there were strict laws about stoning, requiring hearings, assessments of evidence, and all the slow-moving machinery of the law that were needed to determine if stoning was a just punishment. That didn't happen in Stephen's case. It looks rather like the anger of a mob whose emotions had been raised to fever pitch who took it upon themselves to render a punishment they couldn't wait to see rendered by the ordinary processes of the law. Stephen seems to have been a victim of the madness of the crowd that history offers us way too many examples of, including some which happened barely a year ago. I'd like now to return to something I mentioned earlier the fact that the apostles decided that they wouldn't be the ones to help the widows get the assistance and the food they needed and deserved, the apostles decided, probably wisely, they knew instinctively that they didn't have the gifts to do social work of that kind. And what they didn't have, the apostles discerned that the seven men they set apart to be deacons did have. These deacons knew how to calm the ruffled feathers of the Greek Jews, win over the wounded feelings of the Greek widows, had the organizational skill to get them the food they needed in a timely way. And now there's one more truth I want to draw out of the passage from the Acts of the Apostles set for us to hear on this feast day of St. Stephen. St. Stephen reminds us that we're never ever to think that the specific ministry or way of life to which we've been called is all that God has in store for us and that we are to remain where we are obediently and contentedly. Yes, Stephen had been blessed with skills of organization, of patience, of understanding, when he and the six others with him kept the social aspects of the Christian community healthy and in order. And that certainly would not would have been enough. But there was another part to Stephen, something planted deep within him that he didn't know was there until, inspired with a flaming desire to speak of the glories and challenges of the way he talked about what was burning in his heart to anyone who would hear him. They heard him all right, but they didn't like what he said. Stephen wasn't a practiced sermonizer, and what he proclaimed came out roughly and out of white-hot passion, and he received martyrdom as his reward. Stephen helps to remind us that deep within us, planted there by God, are gifts and talents and energies unknown to us till God stirs the pot and releases them for our use. If we pray, God, use me as you will, beware. You may find yourself thinking thoughts, feeling within you enthusiasms bubbling up that you didn't know you had, and making commitments for projects that'll cause you to say to yourself, now where did that come from? From the account we have of Stephen, you'd get the impression that he was a guy on the move. Now, that there was all that diaconal work to be done soothing hurt feelings of old ladies, organizing food distribution, and all the other things the growing church needed, and from time to time, delivering fiery sermons, not worrying for a moment where the chips fell and how many people he upset. And Stephen himself may have felt that that was all that God had to give him. But as he was dying, From the stones raining down upon him, a godly gift he had never suspected came to his consciousness and God expressed on his lips. To those who were aiming their stones at his head, he prayed, don't hold this against them. Ah, to forgive, that is the greatest gift of all. And deep peace settled on Stephen's dying body. And he died with the sight of his Savior shining before him. He had come, finally, to all the gifts God had to give him. And he knew that all was well with his soul. Amen.